Hi, this is Jennifer. I'm Elizabeth. This is Amanda. And I'm Jasmine. And we are the Sisters Collective. We invite you to pull up a seat and join our family meeting. All right, welcome hey back. Welcome back. What's up, what's up? We are back for another episode. Let's get into it. We have so much to cover in this, this episode. So much is going on this month. So we definitely want to bring you guys into the family meeting. So what? let's, let's get started. What are we going to start today? I think it's time for a yard sale. It's the what? 10th month of the year. We're at the end of the year. So much has happened and there should surely be something to get rid of so that we can get through this year strong. So what are we throwing away? What are we letting go? Mm, I uh, I can start. Um, I am still letting go of this, I guess, this ideology within the community of like health for kids, this vaccinations. Like I'm still struggling with that. Like as a new parent, like that is something I'm still trying to figure out. So I'm trying to let go of all of the stress of trying to figure it out as a new parent of like, do I vaccinate? Do I not? And what are the consequences if I don't? And making sure that baby girl is healthy and all of that. That's I'm letting go of all the stress of that. Yeah. It's too much. Too much. Yeah. yeah. What are your concerns about vaccinations? Um, well, I know like for me myself, like I got the vaccinations as, you know, as a kid, we all kind of had to. Um, but now there's so many more shots that kids are supposed to have. Like it's a lot more and there's a lot more things that are added into the shot. So it's not just like whatever you're supposed to be vaccinated for. It's not just that. There's like aluminum, there's metals, there's all Ooh. these other things. And, and so imagine like at two months, she was supposed to have like five vaccines at two months and or three, maybe it was three or four and three of them was four vaccines. And it was like three of them were shots and one was an oral vaccine. I was supposed to do all of that in one day. I just could not, I could not do all of that. I, I was just like, what? And now it's like, because I skipped, I skipped like two, I did two that day. And then now she's four months. I was supposed to do another like four or five. And I was just like, I, I can't. So the doctor was like, well, here's your options. You can, although they have it where you can alter the schedule with them. Um, if I don't vaccinate her, I have to find another doctor. So literally most majority of doctors in this area, at least are mandatory vaccination. And there's only one person that one doctor in this area that allows, you know, no vaccination. So that's a whole process. And, and well, they, they <laughs> you kind of taper from a them at, at, at a slower pace. You can, you can, you just need to keep track of that. Like you need to monitor and have keep record of what she's been given and what she hasn't been given. And so that's where I'm at now. Like, okay, I, I, do I even want to continue or do I just want to find other health alternatives to make sure that she's healthy and that she's protected? She has the nutrients to protect herself when she does start school or daycare in the future um, without vaccinating. So I'm, we're trying to figure that out now. But Last it's, question it's on this so we can go. <laughs> but what You said there are other things added into them. Is there anyone that gives vaccinations without the other stuff added into them? No, it's standard. It's the standard. It's a standard vaccine, so it's not like there's some like organic version of the vaccine. Whatever it is, is. why not? Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I feel you, but no, it's not like everybody is giving this themselves. So yeah, that's I'm letting go of all of that, right? The stress you of that. I'm just gonna out. take my time and figure it you out. Figure yeah. It out. But yeah, what else? Anybody else got something to get rid of? Let it go. Next thing. Before yeah. we go on to the next thing, I just wanted to ask about that because have you connected with other parents who have made that choice? I have. I have definitely done that. Um, one of our friends, uh, family friends, she, her daughter is like over one now and she never vaccinated her child. Okay. And so literally the doctor that the, our, her pediatrician, my um, daughter's pediatrician recommended was the same doctor that this lady takes her daughter to. So I'm like, oh, okay, fantastic. So that's the same reference. So I was like, okay, that's good. But she she sent me a, a website on all of these different, you know, information and stuff about the vaccinations and things like that. So, oh, it's just figuring it out, you know, that it's is a process. A lot. Yeah, it is. She's not connected to her. And yeah, we, the pressure yeah, of that, yeah. the pressure of that to conform to um, society's standards, that has to be a lot. So definitely um praying with you about that because that, that's a process you want your baby healthy the world says in order for her to be healthy or society says in order for her to be healthy she needs to get these shots right and we already know that sometimes the decisions they make for us aren't necessarily best for us hello so hello that's a, that's a pressure that that you know i don't wish on anybody so i'll be praying that you can you know kind of just sift through that sift mm-hmm. through thank that. you thank you thank you mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. all right anybody else got something to get Who rid of load I guess I will. I um I just started grad school and whoop, whoop. um I, I just realized that you know it's going to require planning and um on a whole nother level because my life was already very busy um and so now I have uh, added something to it. But I think the good thing about it is it's not overwhelming because the first assignment was about. Um, time management. And what I want to throw away is my, I, I managed my time well, or I managed my time. I de- wasn't necessarily managing it well. That's what I learned this first week. <laughs> I managed it to a certain extent, but it wasn't the way you're supposed to necessarily manage time. Because what I learned is you really cannot manage time. You can only manage yourself. Oh, how about that? Okay. <laughs> So what I learned was in this first week, good old grad school was I don't manage myself well. So what I'm going to throw away is lack of my own personal management. Mm. So I'm literally doing things differently. I had to literally start doing my life differently, not just school. I had to start doing my life, how I plan out my day. As much as you guys know, I plan my day. I know what I'm doing every hour of the day. I had to plan even that differently because I found that there were a lot of time thieves in my day. Wow. <laughs> yes. That, yes. That, I was, that I was putting in there myself, right? And it time. robs me. It robs me of, of, of the time I need to do the things that bring me joy. I spend a lot of time doing things that, that benefit other people, other people's projects, things at work. And I was not doing the things that, that built me up right. enough. So... I, I'm throwing away bad time management or bad personal management that robs me of fulfillment, robs me of opportunities to be fulfilled myself so that I can make sure that everybody else's stuff is done. I'm not doing that anymore. Love so that's it. got to go. 
that's got to well, go. Thank you for passing that on. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> was a gem. That was, yeah, that was a <laughs> Robin gem. Mm-hmm. Anyone else has something? Who else? Who else? I know you guys hear a special voice. I, you guys hear a different kind of voice. It sounds like a different sister. It's another yes. one of my special sisters. Well, special sisters. You want? You have something I you want do. to throw away? And we'll introduce okay, her in a moment. Okay, thank you so much. I do. I have just been loving these things you've been throwing away. Um, what I want to throw away right now is my attachment to um, the specific place where I work. It is not a safe safe or nurturing place. Mm. And I have just realized uh, an an exit plan. So having realized that I will not be there come August and perhaps if all was, you know, worked perfectly come January. Um, So I feel great about throwing that away. And then the good news, a little bit of more good news is, like you were saying about time management or personal management, I have just started and I'm learning, my sister is teaching me, another sister, um, about the bullet journal. I know about that, yeah. Mm -hmm. So things are really getting done in new ways. Yes. You know, and in art and creativity, and it's of course like everything. People have gone berserk worldwide, so there are Facebook, you know, pages and pages and like thousands Mm -hmm. of pages on. It's called um, something. It has a name. You know, Bujo Bullet Journals, Bujo Communities. It's crazy. So all is well here. Um, I am so honored to be sitting here at the family meeting you know and I'll just pass the mic to the yeah. last one yeah. Amanda did you have anything or do you want to jump into the show we can Amanda, did you- jump into the show so why don't we segue right now into the show as you guys know this is October and this is um I believe it's National Breast Cancer Awareness Month yes this is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month and if you have been listening to our podcast since the beginning, you know that a part of our why stems from um, the loss of one of our sisters to breast cancer and the loss of one of our brothers to pancreatic cancer. And we're doing something special this month. You guys asked us about whether or not we would have guests on the show. And we chose to start adding some guests to the show, but we're going to be very strategic and specific about some guests that we're having in conjunction with this being National Breast Cancer Month, National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So this month we will have guests on nearly every show. We're going to have a medical professional that's going to help us talking about... Um, They're going to be talking about resources in the community, how it affects people, um, women, how it affects women of color, um, how to detect your breast, what are the best machines to use, um, and in your city where you can find um, those types of machines and how to seek help when that happens, when you discover a lump. Okay. And then we're also going to have, and then we're also going to have some two breast cancer survivors talking about different aspects of their journey. And then the voice that you heard is the fourth aspect that we're going to be talking about. We're talking about caregivers 
who have gone through the process with someone who was enduring the fight with cancer. And we have none other than our sister, Jillian. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So she is literally another sister of the sisters. So we want you, Jillian, can you maybe introduce yourself? Tell them who you are, what you do, and how you came to know what is now known as the Sisters Collective. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, Yes, thank you. Well, first of all, let me just... um, express my appreciation again and thanks I feel very honored to be here I you know I was just of course thinking about y'all yesterday I probably think about you know you every day but it's just I was thinking about um you know or maybe it was earlier today it sure was because I knew we were (laughs) gonna meet up this evening um and I was just you know thanking the goddesses really that Mm -hmm. we got connected because I, um, I'm so thankful for that. So my name is Jillian Ford. As you said, I live in Georgia. I live in Smyrna, Georgia, which is just north of Atlanta. I, um, I'm working right now on a few abolitionist education projects. So that's kind of new, um, new discourse for how we are demanding justice um, of our local school district. And it's exciting because it's kind of gaining, mo- you know, gaining momentum. Yes. 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 Yeah. And we're going to, so, we're going to, we're going to have you leave your, some of your website information, contact information. So the people in your area that want to get connected with your movement can do so. So keep telling us about that. Okay, great. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, well, first of all, let me just Um, tie it around to the last part of your first question, which is how I know you all. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, your sister who passed was actually, well, is actually my wife. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, Jamela, which I think we will be talking a lot about today. um, And I'm so excited for that. Um, Jamela definitely changed the course of my life. So all of this that I'll explain, I would say undoubtedly is coming to fruition right now mm-hmm. based on um, Jamela's presence in my life. Yes. Yes. All of it. All of it. All of it. So I'm very grateful for that. So, um, I was a part of co-founding a few organizations, um, actually, that that I co- really I started two different organizations in the months after Jamela passed, after Jamela transitioned. You know, I just I just needed something to direct my energy towards. And it could have been very positive or it could have been very negative, mm-hmm. you know. Um, But I knew, I mean, by that point, Jamila had already, you know, I don't know, worked her magic on me. So I was already a positive person by then, you know. Um, So let me just say one thing about that, please, because I do think that it's relevant right now. Um, It really reminds me of the beginning of a book. Um, 
you know, that was recently released, Zora Neale Hurston's most recent book to be released, Barracoon. Um, you know, it's the story of the last black cargo. Well, at the very beginning, Alice Walker writes the foreword, and she says, those who love us never leave us alone with our grief. <clears throat> wow. At the moment they show us our wound, they reveal they have the medicine. Hmm. Barracoon, the story of the last black cargo, is a perfect example of this. That's good. Yes. We will make sure that we um, leave that. We'll make sure that we leave that in the notes. Yes, that sounds good. That sounds like something I would want to read or listen to on audio. You know what else I think is really, you know what else I think is telling and really interesting about how what you just said ties into our first video about our why is that a lot of what we're doing right now is as a result of her transition. We undoubtedly probably wouldn't be podcasting, right? right? A lot of the things that we're doing, we're doing, it was an answer to, Mm -hmm. it was an answer to the call that her departure sent out. Say that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, it forced us to begin living because of the way she lived. That's right. And yes. it's so interesting that the great work that you're doing, and I follow the work that you do, the great work that you're doing is really about to shake things up in the area that you're in. Yes. And it's as a result, in part, it was your way of grieving by putting your hand to something else bigger than you that would make you not think about what was missing. Yeah, and the way in which it is really changing your life as a result of the way her existence in your life changed your life that and, and it did the same thing for us it's just it's pretty it's pretty important that we understand how connected That's all of right. that is right. so it's really really um, a joy to be able to have you on this podcast because you have been a part of the landscape of this podcast since the inception of this podcast because we know you because of the life that our sister lives um and so we welcome you here and um we're going to get into it we're excited about having you on this show thank you thank you like i said i'm so honored to be here so yeah let's get it cracking let's go all right, so we're going to start with, um, we have some questions that we're going to ask you um, to give a better understanding for our listeners um, about the type of cancer that Jamila had, the transition that um, she went through, how as a caregiver, um, like what resources are out there, how you felt, um, what were, were there any resources for you? Because um, undoubtedly, as a caregiver, you're 100% um, in tune to that person and so that can cause all types of uh stress or things like that so i want you to be able to talk about that um so this information is for um all the caregivers out there or for people who uh, may have breast cancer and it's not caregivers are in all sorts whether you're someone has alzheimer's or whatever but today we're specifically talking about caregivers um with breast cancer patients okay um so that's what our questions today are geared towards so our first question jillian is um, when was Jamela diagnosed and at what age? Uh, so Jamela was diagnosed in May of 2016 at the age of 36. And what type of cancer? 
Um, what stage was she diagnosed and what was the type of cancer that she had? She, she when we first found out, she was already in stage three. And mm. um, what we learned, you know, this would this was later on what we learned about when you said what kind. I don't remember the technical name, but what I know the implications of the type that she had made it so that her particular malignancy was not receptive to chemo. That was much later on. Mm, okay. Much later on, but that helped the doctor know what type it was. And I just can't remember that medical name. I'm curious, Jillian, um, how... How did you guys find out? What what made you know? Because Jamela, of all of us, she was probably one of the healthiest in in terms of her intake. She was very particular about the things she ate. I want to say she was she may have been vegan. I don't remember or vegetarian, but she was one of the healthiest ones, I, I believe, in terms of what she ingested. Mm. So this wasn't about her. This wasn't about wasn't connected to the food she was eating. Right. It wasn't, it, I don't feel like it was about that. What, how did you know what in her body gave sign that something was wrong? Well, actually, um, she felt a lump. We were just laying in bed one night and she felt a lump and she asked me to feel it. And I was concerned, like from the moment I felt it, it mm. was probably at that point, it was probably like not a super big green grape but a green grape. Wow. So it was, it was really something, you know, and I was like, Oh no, that's not good. You know, well, let's go tomorrow to the, um, well, I think we figured out that we would go to the emergency room actually. And I'm not sure why we did that because that was not under her. Hmm. That was not under her. Oh, I think maybe it was a Sunday. Okay. So whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that local, that local Kaiser Permanente, um, you know, was closed. So we went down to the emergency room, and actually, the first thing that we, first news that we got was, no, don't worry about it. You know, basically nothing. Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? I didn't realize that. They were like, you can check it out. Mm-hmm. They were like, you can check it out if you know you want to, but. I wouldn't worry about it. But we just felt it. Well, she obviously just felt differently. And I did too. And we were like, that does not match up. Like, that's not right. Because there's actually a lump in your breast, you know, like, okay. So so how how long before that did you guys go and get something else done? and, And it was determined that what they said was not factual. Well, it took a few weeks, but at that early stage, it was, you know, late May, early June, you know, and each week it was, it was almost uncanny because each week to the day, it was, it kept happening on a Thursday. And I know that contradicts with what I just said about a Sunday, but it kept happening on a Thursday. So like on the Thursday, we went to the emergency room. He told us, don't worry about it. But we already had an appointment for the following Thursday. That's what it was um, at Kaiser Permanente. So we were like, well, he said, you know, don't worry about it. But we also feel differently. So let's go. Then seven days later, we found out that it was cancerous. And then seven days later, well, by that time, it was growing a lot. Like, so we had made another 
appointment for the following week. But each of these seven day increments that I'm telling you about with a couple appointments and then a couple pieces of news, the grape sized lump was growing to like a, you know, small orange and then an apple and uh, like all the way to a big navel orange. Um, mm over the course of really a month, like four or five weeks. And so by this point we were, she was already connected to the breast, you know, to the oncologist, um, to the doctor at Kaiser Permanente by this point. And this is when we learned, you know, this is when she said um, she had never seen a tumor grow this fast in her history, you know, of being a doctor. Now she was a young woman, but she had, she had been a doctor for, you know, a few years. Um, and so people were each week, what she would tell us was that, you know, more and more people were coming to the table around like what to do. So they were okay. a weekly meeting at, um, we were at Kaiser Permanente, you know, um, up there in Kennesaw, but she was also attending a weekly meeting about Jamela. I suppose, I guess that's how they do it. Like uh-huh. they have that work, you know, and she, um, and so each week she was kind of trying to tell us from the very beginning, this is another thing that it was very serious. Yes. She, I remember that. She told us from the very beginning, it was very serious. And the most amazing, you know, one of the most amazing um, responses, you know, to that, that I could ever even imagine. I could never imagine someone responding to news like that about their life the way Jamela did. Then, of course, I would just learn, like, that's so characteristic of her. That's how, that's who she is, you know. How did she respond? What did she say? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, She was like, I don't know who their God is, but um, my God told me I'm fine. Okay. We walked out of there and she was, and I mean, she kind of looked back at me like, why are you soaking? Like, come on, let's go. You know, and her whole thing, her whole thing was always like, match my mood. Don't come and visit me. You know, even when she was, well, I guess this was more in times when she was sick, you know, sicker. Don't come and visit me with a long face. Right. I don't have one. You know, I'm good. Like, I'm good. That was so her. <laughs> yeah. So her. You know. <laughs> right. If she's the one with the, with the disease, you don't have the right to walk around looking crazy. No, right. No. Don't do it. She never did. Actually offensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You talked a little bit about that, the treatment process or you know, her, the diagnosis. Um, I, I don't know, because I guess until you have walked down this lane, understanding what it really takes to go through this process is, is something you'll never really know. And we hear it sometimes on the part of the patient, but what is it like on the side of the caretaker walking through this process with someone? What did that look like? What did it feel like? Emotionally is one thing for someone to have cancer. What did it feel like for you as a caretaker walking through that process with her? Yeah. Thanks for asking. I think it was, um, it was a lot all mixed 
you know, all mixed up, but what it was kind of what there was a lot of different things happening, obviously, at the time. So I was responding and reacting more internally to what the doctor was saying very clearly, which was like, this is very, very serious. And at the same time, I am in love with this woman who is like, not only not trying to hear that, but like, let's go out and have fun in the world. Let's go to a park. Let's have a picnic. Let's eat eat Ethiopian food. Let's go to the festival. Let's go listen to music. Let's go draw. Like, what? She's trying okay. to live. She's right. saying, live. Let's go live. Exactly. And, and, and exactly. But it was never, I think that maybe the most amazing part was that it was never tied to anything like that. Like, I, I, I get, I'm sure she was doing that, but it was never like, she never said that, you know? So it wasn't in her consciousness that she was doing it in the way I feel like I might, if I was, I would do it. I would, no, I wouldn't even be that like, you know, gracious. But if I were to be, then I would at least mention like, cause I'm going to live because dot, 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 mm. you know, but mm. was never connected to that, which made it so genuine and so authentic. So what you're saying is she, she didn't, she wasn't doing all this stuff to live because of cancer. She was just doing it because she was living, just living. Exactly. That was just a part of her being. She exactly. was just like, okay, that I hear what you're saying, but I still have, I'm living. Yes. So. While you're talking about that, I'm still going to go about my life living. Exactly. Exactly. Because it wasn't that. Oh, I'm sorry, Mandy. I'll just say because it wasn't that thing maybe like you hear about in the movies or maybe some people do. It might be more typical to kind of like um, do it really big, you know, at the end. And it wasn't like that. It's more like what you were saying. Yes, yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was almost very characteristic of Jamela, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That she had so much faith. Like from that day when she heard the news, like I don't know who your God is, but my God, like she had so much faith that it was just like, oh, this is already done. I'm good. Let's keep it pushing. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. So, um... and let me just say one more thing about that because it was so remarkable. I'll say that it was not until a week before she passed, till she transitioned. It was not until one week before that, that she told me, I don't think I'm going to make it. So from that first diagnosis to a week before she passed, there was no doubt in her mind. Yeah. You know, and, How long was that? She was diagnosed April 2000. So she was diagnosed April 2016 and she passed. December 28th, 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 2017. Mm-hmm. Wow. I listen for all of you out there that are listening, that type of courage and faith. I am sure for you as the caretaker, Jillian just uplifted you um, and made you want to keep caring for her um, to mm-hmm. keep going on. And if she ain't got no long face, I guess maybe I can't either. Let's go to this appointment. You know, like, <laughs> Let's just keep rolling with it. She, when I would talk to her every day, um, it was very like, oh, I got another appointment <laughs> and I'm going and yeah. back right. out appointment. It was not, and I'm like, well, what did they say? You know, like what is happening? Um, right. she, she never, she would say what they said. And I believe we had this conversation once that what she, it was almost like there was a disconnect from what she heard and what she said. 
like, or what they said and what she heard. Because what she told us was very like, she said what they said, but it was with a uh, matter of fact. Very matter of fact, very matter of fact. Yes. Right. So matter of fact, in a way of like, this is what they say, you know, right? It didn't, I don't think the news of it all really changed how she felt about life or about living. It didn't, I don't think it affected her. It had to affect her emotionally in some ways, but it didn't affect her to the point that it changed her. Right. Uh, I have seen this disease change people. Um, it changes them um, because the weight of the the weight of the the physical disease changes how they think about life, and I don't think it ever did that. I think one of the things that I said is that it touched her body, but it never touched her soul. Mm-hmm. It never. She never allowed it to change the fabric of who she was. Mm-hmm. She was always caring, always loving, always jovial, always upbeat. Mm-hmm. And cancer never stole that That's from right. her. There are people that go through this that I've seen, and this is no um, discredit to anyone because people deal how they deal. But as for her, as for Jamela, she never allowed it to change the fabric of who she really was. Right. And I think that was the beautiful part about watching her walk through that is that it changes how you do life. Right. Because if someone can have something life-threatening like this, every doctor that she went to is telling her, this is serious, this is serious, this is serious. And in essence, what they were saying is, this is going to kill you, this is going to kill you, this is going to kill you. She hears that, but what she, what she takes in from it and what she does with it is not characteristic of what people do with that kind of information. That's so right. it changes how you how you do life when you watch somebody do do death That's the right. way she did death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It was just it was just something about um, how that went down that was just just different than, than anything I've ever experienced. Yes. And I will say, you know, from being a caregiver, um, even that term is something. But she was and I know you all know this, but she was and is very unique from yeah. you know what I'm saying she's a very unique person so it was it wasn't like oh wow you know we know this person and it was amazing how she did it like no like she you know everyone knew her you know what I'm saying like she would at appointments for example it was like she was going just like you said you know matter of fact it was more like she was like going to a lounge saying hello to some people like you know (laughs) all the way through and people were always happy to see her she always had jokes like I don't know anyone that didn't like her yeah exactly there's no there would no reason not to like Jamela I just want to know sunshine right sunshine I just want to know how you going through this has shaped you so we know that you were there for uh, like every appointment. We know um, how did it change your work schedule? How did it change um, you? Like your your daily routines? Like obviously before. <clears throat> so for me, um, we didn't know you before Jamela. You know, uh-uh. you through Jamela. Um, but when I met you, I was like, you take such good care of my sister. Yeah. Um, and I I met you. And like shortly after we met you, she got breast cancer. So um, I was like, you just take, you're so nurturing and so caring. Um, How did this transform your life? What did it look like from day to day? 
It trans, well, those are two different questions, but mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I'll just answer the first one. How did it transform my life? Um, it definitely changed my whole perspective of life, almost, almost 180, you know, like almost, I think, or something, because I used to be a, like, you know, a sad, you know, like, a melancholy person mm. you know I used to be kind of like prone to melancholy and so with Jamela she's so much fun you know mm. and it's like you I mean for it's just she'll make doing mundane things fun you know so after an experience of of that and it was such a you know in the grand scheme of time such a short amount of time but in that time, we, you know, from the first day we met, we never really were not together, you know, and it, wow. was, it was amazing. Like, it was fun. If you could imagine someone getting diagnosed with breast cancer and fighting the fight of their lives, and I could describe it as fun, <laughs> you know, wow. because of her brightness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And her light. So all of that really changed you know, like you said, the way I live life, I um, do try to live different. Well, I do. Yeah, I do live differently because I do see different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I see um, positivity and I see how to tap into, you know, tap into that. And she really helped connect me to that. That's deep. That's wonderful that you, she needed you as much as you needed her. Mm -hmm. That was so beautiful. Um, I was going to say, um, was there a history of breast cancer? And I'm, I mean, I'm kind of asking Elizabeth and Jasmine. Um, also, did we, prior to this, I felt like we didn't have a history of breast cancer. Um, we did, though. We did, right. though. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know about the, the our history of, of no, breast cancer. No, I would like for you to explain it. Both no, of our both of our great aunts passed from breast cancer. So our grandmother's sister and our grandfather's sister both passed from breast cancer, and that's as far back as we know. Um, so I don't know if anyone else did, but both of those, both our maternal and paternal, um, or just both of our great aunts, uh, passed from breast cancer. Okay, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so it's interesting that, and I think this happens in a lot of families where people don't necessarily talk about it. Um, if we went to those uh, memorial services or funerals, I don't know if I was just very young or, or what. I think you were just young because we knew about Aunt Remail. We knew about Aunt Mary. I, 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 I knew cancer? about both of them. Yes. That's mom's sister. She died from breast cancer. I almost felt like when you said that, I... When, I don't know which aunt you were talking I, about. Yeah, I know. And Aunt Mary? I feel like I'm aunt just Mary, having like dad's a sister. moment. Yeah, dad's sister and, and our grandmother, mom's sister, both died from breast cancer. I, so oh. that's, how close that, that's how close in the family it was. Right. So that is just important for all of us. I mean, we will talk about this later, but for all of us to make sure that we are getting checked um, annually or more often, um, with having that history. Which, by the way, 
which by the way, um, those that are following the podcast, um, watch for videos posted on Coffee and Conversations on our YouTube page because all of the Sisters Collective this month will be getting um, uh, our breast screenings or paps, uh, not paps, it's wild, wrong order, um, <laughs> mammograms, <laughs> mammograms, and some of us um, have been getting them for a long time. One of us, this will be our first time getting it, and we're going to take you on that journey with us, um, showing the results, showing all of it so that we can, um, you guys can kind of be let in on what that process looks like. Um, and understand this, though we're talking about breast cancer awareness this month, this isn't just for women. Men who have women in their lives, it's important that you be aware of the process too, because a lot of times I have heard that a lot of times it's detected by in intimate situations male, female, female, female. However, it's usually detected in those intimate situations. So you need to be aware of how to do self-breast exams or what to look for. And when our medical professional is on, they're going to be giving some of that information. So make sure that you tune in all this month. There's going to be information no matter where you find yourself in this process. As the woman that may be having breast cancer, understand that men also get breast cancer. So this is not just a woman's disease. So it's important that, that we kind of be up on that as well. Okay. Right. And when she says that it's not just a woman's disease, men can get breast cancer as well. I think it was just released that um, Beyonce's dad has breast cancer, um, Matthew Knowles. So it's called gynecomastia that men can also get breast cancer. So um, just everyone needs to be able to uh, check, you know, their breast area. Um, it's the same types of tissue. So it can all get the same type of um, disease. So um, Jillian, did yes. you, um, what did your network of support look like? What did your support network look like? Um, my support network was amazing and still is. Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate um, to be, you know, a part of, a pretty large black queer community in Atlanta. And also, I guess there's community from other spots like um, places I've worked. Um, but yeah, it's mostly that community. And I have a few good friends. And um, so I think that, and Jamela had friends who also came through. You know, we were, we did a lot. Um, I'm not really answering this question well, but I, I was very fortunate. I guess I'll just say this. Let me just start by saying I was very fortunate for my, um, you know, support network. Okay. Folks, um, yeah. Network. Um, so my question for you, Jillian, is having gone through all of this, um, whether during the process or after, what steps have you taken to take care of yourself? Because uh, as, a, as a caretaker, um, the person transitions and they don't have to deal with this, this disease anymore. But the person that was doing the caretaking, you're left with the aftermath of the life that is now gone and the disease that kind of stuffed that, took that life. You're also left with all of the memories, all of the, the personal interactions 
what steps did you take to take care of yourself after this process? Hold on uh, one second, Jillian. I want to take yeah. that one step back. What steps did you take during the time? And after? I want, I like during, cause it's very important. And you can cut this out, Jasmine, but during the time, it's important for people to know, like, did you take breaks? Did you have someone come sit, come sit with her? Did you like, what did that look during the time? And right. now, um, um, afterwards. So, um, we're going to clap it out. Like, Buzz's question is perfect. And then, so I'll ask my question again. Um, so I'm going to ask, so before you answer, Jillian, I'm going to say, what, during that time, um, how did you take care of yourself? Like, when Jamela was here and you were in the thick of it, how did you take care of yourself? Well, one thing I'll say is that I really did not feel like I was taking care of myself because Jamela was very able and was very much taking care of herself and me too. You know, so it was very, there was a lot of mutual um, support. So I didn't really feel like I was on the outskirts, you know, because we were also just so close, you know, um, that it was kind of like all all together. But, um, you know, if she was getting sicker, of course, I did take some breaks and um, it was very helpful when folks would come by and sit with her. Yes, that was nice um, just to get out of the apartment and, you know, maybe go shopping or something. It was nice when folks brought through food. Um, I had yeah. a few friends who gave us gift cards, like, you know, gift cards to Panera, things like yeah. that. It was, you know, I really saw a lot of generosity from my friends that, was so um, great, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? For which I am so grateful, you know, yeah. and people did a lot more than I have done, you know? So I learned how to, I think I learned a lot about how to help someone else, you know, who, who might be grieving. Matter of fact, my good friend Kalila's mother, I just realized maybe I shouldn't say her name, my good friend, my good friend's mother just passed um, kind of unexpectedly last week. So, you know, I'm definitely drawing on even her support of me more so, I would say, when when Jamela passed, you know, um, and I'm trying to reciprocate. And yeah. so I learned a lot about what good care looks like. Yeah. You know, that yeah because I think that's one thing people don't know how to do is how to as much as they don't know how to respond to to death they also don't know how to respond to the sick right they don't know how to handle people when they're sick they sometimes handle them like um like everything is contagious or or they just don't know what to say and what to do so it's good to hear that you had people who genuinely took the time to just be there right um and that must have been helpful um, uh, while you were in the middle of that process. What did it look like? What do you do or what did you do to take care of yourself after the process? Well, what did healing look like for you? Yes. That's the well, I mean, that kind of brings it back to the beginning of our conversation mm-hmm. because healing brought, you know, one thing Jamela was so supportive of me in terms of like, my job and doing well and 
she knew about my passion. She knew about the very first thing that, you know, brought me into the school district to start um, demanding some change at the school district level um, because that was spring, spring of 17, you know, so we were both appalled by what we had seen on the news. Um, I know that was a little extra. No, you answered it. Mm -hmm. You answered it. And I think what I want to do um, while we start to wrap it up, because you, you covered everything so eloquently about all the questions. I think what I want you to to leave with um, our listeners is, um, is there's, some message you would like to provide um, women or even men um, and the care caregivers in the community? What what information would you like to leave them with? What do you want them to know about this process of caring for someone in their most vulnerable state? In their when they when they need you the most, what what information would you like to convey to them? What lesson did you learn? Perhaps maybe it's a lesson or a message or anything you want to say to people that are listening to this podcast that are either caregivers themselves um, or afraid of becoming a caregiver? What do you want to share with them? Hmm. Well, I do think, you know, as I've said, and as we all know, I had a very unique experience with it um, because of who it was. Yes. So Mm -hmm. we know that. But what I would like to say is, I think attention and love and intentionality around food is a very um, nurturing way yeah. to care for someone. And maybe that's that's something that I learned, you know. Um, there was just a lot of love shared through food. Yeah. Yeah, so... And making sure that, you know, everybody's drinking a lot of water, everybody's eating fresh fruits and vegetables, folks are drinking tea, you know, um, just taking good self-care, paying attention to breath, trying to make sure to stretch, you know, slowing down a bit. Because one thing that caretaking for Jamela definitely did objectively, and this kind of goes back to the other part of that question that you had asked, Mindy, about what did day-to-day look like? It looked like everything slowed down drastically for me, you know, because I was, I had previously been just moving too fast throughout the world. I mean, of course, it came to a almost like, yeah, the pace changed in ways that um, were helpful eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the moment, the pace might not have been welcoming, but in hindsight, a slower pace is probably what was needed in order for you to um, be able to kind of grapple with um, the dynamic, the, the dynamics being shifted in the way that we were. Um, and then maybe, yeah, maybe, Maybe overall, the pace needed to be slower. Definitely. Maybe oh, that definitely. was the lesson at all. Maybe, maybe because for what I'm hearing you say is they're going to have to be able to embrace the changes that are going to come with the process of being a caregiver. That's true. That's a single true. change, and you have to be able to embrace it and understand that as a caregiver, while that person's life is changing, your life is going to change a little bit too, and they kind of have to be open to that and maybe aware that that's what's going to happen. That's right. 
Mm-hmm. I think you handled it well. Yeah. Thank you. I think you handled really? it beautifully. Yes. I think you handled it well. You have been a welcome to this family. And um, as much as as much as we lost one sister, I, I've said it before to you, as much as we when I say lost, I don't mean she's really gone because she's not really gone. But as much as one one sister transitioned from here, we were left with another one. So um, so when I call you sister and I mean that for real. So um I'm really proud of the work that you do and proud of the progress you've made um, through the transitional process that you've gone through. And, um, and I'm really happy that you're a part of us and that, um, that we get to call you sister. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks so much for welcoming me. Yes. Mandy, any parting words? Absolutely. So thank you all for listening today. Um, I hope that it, um, touched you as much as it touched us and that you learned um, that overall it's so important to take care of yourself be in tune to the person that you're taking um, care of uh, slow down um, and accept help um, in these moments so um, we love y'all out there um, stay tuned stay tuned this month is jam packed with great information and if you haven't gotten your breast exams go do it this month um, Advent Health has them for like $30 a month but We'll share all that. So make sure you get your, your breast exams. And we love y'all. Stay tuned. Also, guys, before you leave, make sure that if you have your questions, don't forget to send any of your questions or comments. Or if you need advice, send any of that stuff in to the Sisters Collective 6 at gmail.com. And also, if you have not already liked our YouTube page, go over to YouTube and find us at the Sisters Collective. Join us so you can keep abreast of everything that we're doing, pun intended. Uh-huh. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Jillian. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Sisters Collective. Tune in next week for another family meeting. Be sure to rate, comment, subscribe, and follow us at the Sisters Collective on all social media platforms.